God will surely be lost. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Amen. They didn't, the disciples weren't sure of how to get there, but he said, I'm the way. I'm the only way you'll ever get there. Amen. It's his grace and his mercy, his leading, his guiding. Amen. Are you thankful for him tonight? Amen. I'm sure thankful to know him and the power of his resurrection and to be able to stand here before you and to know that I believe I'm standing before real believers. Amen. I believe I'm standing before real believers. Amen. That was better. <laughs> I know it's cold outside, but it's not that cold in here. Amen. It's lovely to be in the house of the Lord. I'm certainly thankful for all of you that could come and be with us and gather with us and those that would not be able to but would want to stream in. God bless you and I pray. So thankful to be here, and I sure love each one of you. Let's take our Bibles together. Thank you to musicians. <clears throat> Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2 and verse 27. Amen. It says, But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Now you can take that very extreme on one end and say, Well, what are we doing here, Brother Andrew? <laughs> You don't need me to teach you, but you're here for the anointing to teach you. And it says, it goes on and says, But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear... We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. For if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Amen. Let's turn also over to the book of Acts, if you would. I don't think I gave this to you, but Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Probably the majority of us, if not all of us, could recite this by heart. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all with one accord and in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. May the Lord as blessing to the word. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we, we love you, Lord. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, to gather together on a day like today, 
Lord, where we could sit at home and try and cozy up and be warm, but Father, we'd rather come into your house and lift our hands and worship you and Lord, to sing songs of praise, Lord, and thank you for that unseen hand, Lord. And know, Lord Jesus, that in this, you're, you're, I believe you smile upon this gathering tonight, Lord, of believers that desire, Lord, just to worship you and to hear from your grace. And Lord, to hear, Lord, the teaching of that anointing again, Lord, that we've received into our hearts, that you would come and instruct us and lead us and guide us into all truth, Father. For we know that in you is truth, Lord, and that anointing, when it speaks, it is truth, and there is no lie in it. Father, we're thankful that we have something immutable that we can trust in, Lord. Father, we love you. We commit the service to you. Pray you just bless it to our hearts and ears now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have your seats. Amen. I want to just take this this subject, and I've been pondering on this for a, a, about a week in, in depth, really. But uh, the thought before that that we've I've talked with some brothers on at some length, and and I want to title it to the tonight and start out in this way is his appearing in the season of his coming. And uh, maybe seems like a lot in a title, and it is a lot in a title, but I don't believe tonight we'll be able to finish it unless you have a couple of days. But we'll just start out tonight, and I'll try not to hold you too long, but we'll just see how the Lord leads us. Are you with me? You're with me. Amen. Amen. And as we read in, in 1 John chapter 2, if we start there, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And he begins to speak in verse 28. And John, as we know, John would address us and say, little children, and, and abide in him. And we would take that as, as I believe John would begin to ponder upon the words of Jesus and Jesus as he would speak to them in John 15 and begin to talk to them about, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you should ask whatever you will in my name and it shall be done. And he would talk about, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And these are things that John would pen out in the book of John as he began to remember the words and as the Holy Ghost began to move upon John in a greater way, in a way of revelation that he began to see and understand what Jesus was talking about through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But now he comes down into the book of 1 John. He gets to say, you know, little children, abide in him. He begins to admonish us. There's, there's something for us to do. And he says that when he shall appear, he says that, that we should have confidence. His appearing would bring a confidence in us so that, not, that we would not be ashamed before him at his coming. So even John begins to differentiate between an appearing and a coming. And I want to just take it maybe tonight would just be a little bit slower, a little bit more teaching if you were here on Friday night, then you know exactly how I teach. I kind of stumble over myself, and eventually it comes out. But, but I trust it'd be a blessing in some way tonight. But uh, if, if, if we can just uh, begin to, I guess, settle in and just begin to understand what he's talking about and saying that when he shall appear, his appearance brings us to a level of confidence. And his appearance here is, is a word in the Greek that would begin to describe that he shall manifestly declare himself. That, that this appearing, when he shall appear, when he would declare who he is, when he would reveal himself, when he would manifest himself, when he would bring, uh, when God would begin to unveil himself before us, it would begin to bring a confidence in the believer that we should know him as we are known. And it would talk about at his coming, the, the, this word here, coming, that we should not be ashamed before him at his coming. His coming is a tangible presence which is not just something that just comes, but it's brought on actually, and in, in it's a quite a compound word in the Greek, that it's a tangible presence that is brought on by a drawing near. When, when he says it in the scripture in James chapter 4 verse 8, he says, draw nigh unto God that he will draw nigh unto you. And the next words are, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So he begins to admonish, draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh unto you. And how do you draw nigh unto him? Cleanse your, cleanse your hands, do good, and cleanse your hearts. And, and don't, don't be double-minded, don't be about, live a pure and a holy life that you could draw nigh unto God, that he has something that he desires to draw nigh unto you. 
And this is what it's talking about in John when it says we should not be ashamed at his coming. It's talking about we should not be ashamed because we are the ones that by drawing nigh unto God, we create in him the desire to draw nigh back unto us. In the, in the 1950, Brother Branham preached the message, the resurrection of Lazarus. He says, now, before Jesus was born, God sent a witness of this. Signs and wonders begin to appear of his coming. Just as it appeared today by witnessing, by witnesses of his second coming again. See, signs and wonders. This is the day that's never been an age through all the church ages that's ever produced what this age is producing right now. Amen. He's saying that in 1950 before a whole lot of things happened. And he's saying, and nothing's ever produced it like this day. He says, but why? For it's the coming of the Lord's drawing near. We're coming to the coming of the Lord. And he says, don't you believe it? Drawing nigh, rather. He says, it's nearing the time of the close of world history when Jesus shall come. Amen. And he's saying this, and that, 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 it's, 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 it's coming to that time. It's drawing nigh. And as he's coming nearer, the signs and wonders are producing something to, 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 to or I'll say it this way, that there's a manifestation that begins to bring about an expectation that Jesus is coming. And I want to just go, if we could, and turn in our, our Bibles now to lay this scripture as a foundation to Second Peter together, Second Peter chapter three. Second <clears throat> Peter chapter three, and uh, verse one says, "This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you." In, in, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that, sh- that there shall come in the last days scoffers, Walking after their own lusts. Now we've, we've seen this, we've heard of it, we, we know of it, and today it's, it's more evident because it's plastered all over the internet. That in the last days there would rise scoffers and they would be walking after their own lusts. But in the next verse it says what they would be saying. And it says they would be saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Amen. Now, this, this is exactly what the age that we're living in, that in the last days, scoffers would arise. And now today, we, we, we have, there's websites out there, there's blogs out there, there's videos out there that they love to scoff. They love to say things because what are they trying to disprove? At large, they're trying to disprove the appearing of Jesus Christ. They're trying to, to disprove the cloud. They're trying to disprove the pillar of fire. They're trying to disprove his appearing so that they can disprove his coming is truly at hand. Because to them, when, when Brother Branham came, sure it was a great ministry, but to now they look at it and say, but where's the coming? Yeah. We've seen the appearing, but where's the coming? Yeah. But, now, but, but in all of it, the appearing was pointing to there is a coming. And if you don't receive the appearing, you will not receive the coming. And he begins to go on in a greater way. He says, for this they willingly are ignorant. It doesn't say they're ignorant because they didn't know. They're not ignorant because no one told them. They're not ignorant because they just didn't have enough knowledge to understand it. But they're willingly ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Amen. He speaks of it, of the flood and of what happened and how that for 120 years Moses preached it and it seemed like nothing was happening. It seemed like nothing was going on. I love it when Brother, um, I want to say Brother John said it, but maybe it was Brother Max. I can't remember. It was Brother Max that said it. 
Brother Max, it was you that said it the other day. Sorry, it's not important who said it. The Holy Ghost said it. Amen. But it was so beautiful to me where he said, Abraham prayed for 25 years and nothing happened. But he kept holding on. But one day, something happened. One day was the day of visitation. So it didn't matter, 120 years that Moses is preaching this message over and over and over until finally scoffers came and said, listen, this is never going to happen to the point where there was only eight souls saved. Only eight souls, and one of them still, one of his sons, we've seen the way he went after the flood and how it went about having seen such great works of God. But rather, he begins to point out, and Peter begins to point out to the people saying, listen, they begin to scoff. We haven't been 120 years. Not even close to that, but yet still there's scoffers saying, listen, the appearing never happened. This never happened. That never happened. There's no way in the world we're really that close to the end when they don't realize it's their own selves that they're willingly ignorant that Abraham did the same thing. Noah did the same thing. Lot did the same thing. All of these people, as it was in the days of Noah, when men would scoff, when they would do all these, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. But the heavens and the earth, amen, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly man. He's speaking now, he upgrades it to today, saying, it will come. Yeah. And this is Peter speaking 2,000 years ago about what's going to happen just any moment. Yeah. But it still is just any moment. Because now we've got more signs and we've got the appearing of God as we're going to get into it, Lord willing. In verse 9, or verse 8, sorry, he says it this way, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is up with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And, uh, and the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord... I want you to think about the way, way Peter, he's not just, our Bible breaks this into verses and puts it in certain orders, but as Peter's writing this, he's writing this as a letter. And he's building them up to something, and he's beginning to talk to them in a, in a certain way, saying, listen, there's coming scoffers, but what am I talking about? I'm talking about the last days. And I'm talking about there's coming scoffers in this day, but it will be as it was in the days of Noah, just like Jesus said in Matthew 24. But then he begins to talk about it. As he's building up to the day of the Lord, he puts in there and says that a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day with the Lord to say, listen, he's alluding to there's an overlap of time. There's an overlap of seasons. And different people are living in different seasons at the same time. Amen. Let, let's just break that down now because he begins to go into it more. He says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In that day, in the day in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth and also the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing that then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness now, now this, this is almost like the first time fear tactics was used in preaching. <laughs> oh, Brother Andrew, are you really going to go there? This is the kind of preacher, preacher Peter was. He was quick and he was bold and he loved to say it the way it was. And listen, it's going to all burn. Don't you think you ought to love God and have a holy conversation? What kind of person ought you to be? And he says, in all conversation and godliness, he says, looking for and hasting Unto the coming of the day of God. Not, not scared of it, but looking for it. Hasting for it. Praying for it. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Why would anyone desire this? Because to them they're already hidden away. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Hallelujah. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent, that you may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Not that you may be found with him 
contentious, trying to argue over which doctrine's right, trying to argue over things and getting hurt at each other and getting, no, that you may be found in peace. Lord, help us. Without spot and blameless and the and account that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. He's given us time. Amen. They said he's, uh, Peter, and here he alludes to an overlap of seasons as God works in seasons. And, and, and different people are in different seasons, and we know that the rapture is not an event. The rapture is a season. The rapture is a process. The rapture isn't something that's just one thing is going to take, take and happen. No, we'll be changed in the moment of twinkling of an eye. But the rapture is all of this us looking for the coming of the Lord, praying for the coming of the Lord, picking up the word, picking up the tapes, getting into it, receiving it, becoming the word. That's the rapture. That's what's going on, and it'll culminate in the catching away of the bride of Jesus Christ. But that's not an event. That is a season, and that's a season that we are currently living in. But Malachi 4 and verse 5, as we know it so well, would say, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, this, this, this scripture that's been preached about so many times in message churches, it's speaking that the day of the Lord is twofold. That there's a great part, and there's part dreadful. In other words, there's a part that Peter's talking about where the heavens would be on fire, and there would be all of this world will burn, and all that's in it, and the cosmos, and all that's going on, it'll all burn, it'll all be down to nothing. There's a dreadful part. But there's also a great part. It says, for some, to some it is great because they are living in the day of the Lord during the season of grace. To, that, to them, it's a great season. It's a great day. But to those that are not, that begin to become, it becomes dreadful because that day will come upon them as a thief and is suddenly brought upon them and the, and, and the completion of the day of the Lord then is forced upon them by its ushered in when the bride is taken away. Then all of a sudden it becomes a dreadful day of the Lord because now it's come upon them suddenly and swiftly even though they were willfully ignorant. Think of how someone, how could someone look at you and say, I'm going to rob your house tonight. And then you're shocked when they do it. And you just leave the doors unlocked and you leave the windows wide open. You'll never do it. And then you come back home and your, 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 your TV you shouldn't have is gone. I threw that in there for you. All these, the jewelry or whatever you have, and it's all gone. You're going, what happened? How did these things possibly take place? And someone's not you saying, didn't so-and-so say they're going to rob us? Maybe we should get a hold of them. No, it couldn't have been that. They told you. But yet he's saying, and then God is warned and warned and forewarned and sent signs and sent his appearing and sent his, even sent his coming and I'm coming, I'm coming. And I'm going to, the day of the Lord is going to come upon you as a thief in the night. And people go, oh, I don't think so. Why? Because they have to willingly be ignorant. Because they desire to walk after their own lusts. Because they desire to consume themselves upon the lust of their flesh. <clears throat> but it's also a great day, which I'm going to say this is going on right now. Because as I said, there's an overlap in the day of the Lord and the day of man, which we are right now living in, in the flesh. This is man's day. Brother Brandon would call it again and again and again and again. Why can they all of a sudden mock and say, oh, if, if, if I'm wrong, let God strike me down with lightning. And look, nothing happened there for why? Because he says it's the day of man. They can get away with things because it's their day, but the day of the Lord will come upon them. But there's also an overlap of the two because the day of the Lord is part great and part dreadful. There's a part of it that's great. And to those, those souls that are being saved, and that it is a decision time right now to choose life or death. 
in, in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, is where Brother Branham would, would point to in this, in this matter, where he'd say, where, therefore, judge nothing before the time. Don't judge it before the season. He says, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. Now, this word here is pertaining to the appearing or the manifestation. This word that when it says, until the Lord come, it's actually, it could also be translated, until the Lord appear. If you go back into the Greek that it was written in, and you go back into that, you begin to realize that sometimes they translate it this way, sometimes they translate it that way. But, but in this way, he's saying that, that judge, not there, judge nothing before the time until the Lord appear who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will manifest. So when's this happening? At the appearing of the Lord. And he said, well, are you sure? But the word of God, as we know in Hebrews, we talk about the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's not speaking of 1 Corinthians of a white throne judgment. It's talking about what's going on right now. That the word of God is discerning the hearts of the people. That it begin to go about it this way. And, and it is as the coming that, it, that he makes manifest the counsel. It is at this coming or at this appearing that he makes manifest the counsel of the hearts. And brings to light the hidden things of darkness. That is what the anointing on the word of God does. Because where light shines into darkness, it manifests what's there. It shows what's there. Remember 1 John, where he said, But the anointing which you have received of him abideth where? In you. John 15, verse 7 says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. There's that word again, words. If my word, my discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, if it abides in you, then you shall ask what you will, and you shall, and it shall be done. That's why Brother Branham could take it, and he could pick it up in uh, Spoken Words, the original seed, in a, in a section called Pick Up Your Pen and Write, and he'd say, the bride knows what he wants done with the word. Why? Because she's got the word in her, and it's the anointing that she's received in her. That she knows how to be in Christ and he in her, therefore they become one. Now that's jumping way ahead and throwing a lot in in a moment, but I think we understand that. Abide in him so that when he does appear or when he is made manifest, it will give you confidence. If you're not abiding, in other words like this, if you're not abiding in Christ and he manifests himself... It shows your fault. If you say this is truth over here, but he shows this to be true, it shows that you're in the wrong camp. But if you're abiding in him, and the light shines upon that and shows it to be the truth, it gives you confidence. Because it's the same anointing that's in you believing the word is the same anointing that manifests the word to you and through you, which is the appearing of the Lord. And by this, there's no shame in his, now I'm going to bring another word in, presence. The coming of the Lord is, is not what we often, what, what the secular world looks to, and they actually call it the advent of his coming which is an oxymoron in itself because Advent means coming. So they're saying the coming of his coming. But he says this. I want to take this in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Hallelujah. How many times have you picked up a message book and went, a man could not put this together? A man with a seventh grade education could not put this together. I've got a grade 12 education, and I couldn't put it together. Some of you have college degrees, universities degrees, and I don't think you could put it together. It would have took the mind of God 
to put together this message that we've received, that men down through the ages that have studied and that would put to shame the best theologians that we have today, in their best understanding, would write books, and Brother Branham would pick them up and try to pen the best idea of what he thinks the seals would be. But when the Holy Ghost, the anointing, would come in the room, it would begin to show him exactly how wrong it was. No man could put this together. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. For when we made known unto you, he says, the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now he's speaking there, Paul, Peter's actually writing here and speaking of his first coming. He's saying that when made known unto you, Peter would tell, I've, I've made known unto you the power. I've told you all the testimonies of his healing and of the mighty works and how he fed the 5,000, how he did all these things. And I've made known unto you that that was his first coming. And what we see in his majesty, which he describes in verse 17, verse 18, where he says, for we receive from God the Father holy or honor and glory, sorry. And when, when there was, came such a voice from him, from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So he's still describing at his first coming. And he's describing the power, the glory, the majesty that he began to witness and be a witness of. But then he goes into verse 19. He says, for we also have a more sure word of prophecy. Prophecy does not speak of past tense. Prophecy is now future tense. Where he says, whereunto, whereunto we do well to take heed. Now he brings this up again. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And the day star, so he speaks the prophecy of future tense. But then he says, but here's what you're going to look for. When the day star arises in your hearts, and the day star is the morning star. It's one and the same thing. And Brother Branham says in former latter rain, he says, and remember what happened just before the coming of day. When the daytime comes, then the morning star comes out. And it's the brightest stars in heaven is the morning star. He says, don't miss this now. The morning star comes out between that light that little light spell and the real breaking of day, as soon as it gets real dark, just before the break of day, the morning star shines its brightest. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He says, what's it doing? It's reflecting the light that's coming from the sun. Hallelujah. So he gets to say, when you've received that day star down in your heart, when you receive the morning star, look for that time. That's what the prophecy's pointing to because when that begins to shine the brightest, when you still don't see the sun, you still haven't had a physical uh, um, corporal appearing, but you don't see that, but you see the day star. Where's that at? It's in your hearts. And when that begins to shine its brightest, you know the breaking of day is just around the corner. And Peter actually goes on and in 2 Peter 1, he goes on in verse 20, he says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. He says, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the same Holy Ghost that we received is the same Holy Ghost that began to move them and anoint them to speak certain things is the same one that now is the anointing that we've received in our hearts to fulfill or to manifest that which was already spoken of. Now in invisible union, he says this. He begins to recite the scripture. It shall come to pass for the great and dreadful day of the Lord. I'll send you Elijah the prophet. And he says, and he quotes another scripture. In the last days, which come to pass the last days, I'll pour out my spirit from on high. In the former lane, the latter rain shall come together in the last day. He says all these promises through the scriptures has been given. And he says this. He says, we're looking upward. Watch at the true bride across the nation this hour, this hour, he's not speaking in 1965. This is in November 25th of 1965, not saying, listen, this, this is this hour. Set your watches. 
Because right now, in this hour, everyone's looking up. No, he's talking about a season. Look at the bride in this season. Church, he's coming one of these days. Now this is not going into appearing. It's going into coming. A tangible presence. One of these days, just as sure as he's come the first time, he's coming again. Hallelujah. Right there, you could stop and preach the message, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, and forever. What, how did he come the first time? What did he do? What happened? How did he come the second time? Brother Branham would say it, and, and I'll just jump ahead for a quick second here, because Brother Branham would say it. Three hundred and seventy-eight times in the message, he is here. And you know, he would talk about. He'd go. He'd start up, and he'd get ready and get the prayer line. Get call. Start calling the prayer cards up, and then he'd just maybe start talking for a little bit. He said, "What am I waiting for? I'm waiting for him." Then all of a sudden, in that moment, he'd say, "He is here," but nobody saw him. But it wasn't somebody walking in the door. But it wasn't all of a sudden that it was a visible pr- uh, person standing here. But he said he's here. In other words, he has come. Hallelujah. He says, get everything ready. Separate yourself from shuck. Lay before the sun. Now what are we talking about again? That morning star that's reflecting the sun that others can't see. Yet a little while and the world won't see me, but you will feel me. No. You will see me. (laughs) Hallelujah. This is beyond our expectation. The ministry explained. He says this. He says, I believe it's calling that those who was once wayfaring man and has got away from God, it's, I believe it's calling them back. Calling the church together just before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. When God shall send, his, send Jesus the second time to the earth to gather the ransom that's been redeemed by his death at Calvary. To take them home to glory. So look at what he's doing at his second coming. He's coming to do what? To gather together. Those that have been ransomed. He's not coming to judge. He's not coming to to do all of these things. All of a sudden come down the earth, be on fire and everything going on. That's not what's going on. That's what the secular world is looking for. I believe we've been taught well enough. And as I said, I'm just teaching that some of these things are not new to you. And I thank the Lord for that. But that's not what the second coming is about. The second coming is to bring us to a gathering. It's to bring us together, in other words, into a unity of his spirit. Those that have been redeemed by his death at Calvary to take them home to glory. Amen. Let me, let me go another, another quote here. It says, in the Patmos vision, today, he says, is certainly not the Lord's day. Talking about in the natural. He says, this is man's day. It's man's day. Man's work, man's church, man's idea of worship, man's everything. For it is man's world, cosmos. But the day of the Lord is coming. Yes, it is, and it is just as it is in that time of the just. It is just that at this time of the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he's talking about John in the book of writing the book of Revelation. He says, John was taken up by the Spirit and transported by the Spirit to that great day that is coming. And he says, The Lord's day is when the day of man are over. The kingdoms of the world will then become the kingdoms of our God. Hallelujah, Brother Ed's been preaching about it. The Daniel, how the, those kingdoms, they would all be destroyed because the rock that was hewn out without hands and he would set up an everlasting kingdom and you've received this kingdom which cannot be shaken. Praise be to God. But rather he begins to, begins to pour it out and say, listen, but, but as we read this quote, you can read it without understanding and be willingly ignorant and say, well, listen, we're in the day of man, the day of the Lord is coming. But if you look at it as a whole, you begin to realize there's an overlapping because some of these things that are happening in the day of the Lord are history. 
Some of the things that are happening in the great day of the Lord, the, the opening of the seven seals and, 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 the, and even the seven church ages coming down and all of the things spoken in Revelation chapter 3 and how uh, he which was dead and is alive and is alive forevermore and uh, he was alive and dead and is alive forevermore and all of these things that he began to pour out of himself, he began to talk about and say, it's already happened. This is, this is something that's already happened. The, the, the great whore is already drunk on the blood of the martyrs. All these things are already going on. It's already in motion. But the great day of the Lord then is already in motion. The dreadful day of the Lord is coming. It's the same day, but it's a season. I'm bringing this about for a reason. Remember this. We've also heard a more sure word of prophecy. A more sure. Future home, Brother Branham says this. He says, notice the eighth day. Jesus raised for our justification the eternal king. With the eternal kingdom to be baptized into. By one spirit we're all baptized. To eternal life. He says, not seven days. And we could go into that so much, for so many hours and think how it talks about the seven church ages and all the different things going on. But he says, now we're talking about the eighth day. He says, not seven days had nothing to do with any of those days. It's speaking of another eternal, something coming. Speaking of an eternal time. The world that I'm speaking of. And notice, after 50 days or seven Sabbaths, from there, again, where they come, another holy convocation. Seven Sabbaths, we know he's talking about where he's talking about Jesus down on the cross and then he rose, he ascended up into heaven. Seven Sabbaths, 50 days, they finally were there. The day of Pentecost was fully come. Pentecost meaning 50. It was a holy convocation. And what happened? The Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost or the seventh, or he says, the eighth day. That there were seven Sabbaths, but it was on now the eighth week. The eighth time, it was a crossing over. That's when the Holy Ghost fell. He says, it fell on the eighth day, was seven Sabbaths later, exactly after his resurrection, see? So it'd be seven times and again. He said, listen, he says, there is your holy convocation, not that anything to do with the, not have anything to do with the literal things. Here's what I'm getting at. It doesn't have anything to do with the literal things. It's beyond that. It's into the kingdom of God. With eternal life. With the predestinated that never did start. Notice he takes it in Acts chapter 2 as a type. To say that's a type of what's going on right now. That we've passed not no longer a time anymore. But we've gone over into the eighth day. That he begins to speak of it this way to say that, that it's, it's, it's gone beyond. It has nothing more to do with the literal things. So he's talking about the day of the Lord that we're living in has nothing to do with the literal things. The literal things is the day of man. The things that you're seeing in your flesh is the day of man. The things that go beyond that is the day of the Lord. He says it never started on any day it just saved. You wasn't saved on any day. You was always saved. See, that's where he's going back to because when it goes into the eighth day, it goes back to the first because it's stepping into eternity. He says, Jesus just come to redeem that, but you was saved from the beginning because you had eternal life to begin with. Amen. Hallelujah. The day of man is now in the world, but we... As born-again believers, not because you come to a message church, but because you're born by one spirit into one body, are living by the Holy Ghost in the eighth day. That the anointing that you now have received, that's abiding in you, that's leading and guiding you, that's teaching you, that's doing all of these things, that if you abide in him, when he shall appear, you'll have confidence. And you'll not be ashamed at his coming. Can I go a little bit further? Would that be good? I was hoping to close in about two minutes, but I still have actually 17 minutes. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3 says, Consider him that endured 
such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. The contradiction of sinners that he, our Savior, endured. What does that have to do with us not being faint in our minds? You ever stopped and considered that? Because the clash of the eternal God in you and the dying world that influences our flesh meets in our mind. That the greatest battle ever fought is in your mind. And the contradiction that he faced when he was dying on the cross was that the very same people that he was dying for were mocking him. The very people whose sins he was bearing were mocking him for bearing them. What a contradiction that he willingly bore. But it's the same battle that we face within ourselves every day. The very life that's within you is the answer to the death that is coming on on the outside. But yet this body on the outside is, 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 is relentless in trying to pursue its laziness, its own desires, its own lusts. It's trying to go after that because that's something that's put there by your first nature, but there's something on the inside. That's the answer to it all along. So it's a contradiction. And it's a contradiction that we endure within ourselves all the time, just the way Christ is. He did Christ, really, because he was born perfect. He bore it just like we do right there on the cross. When you know better, but you still do it. Oh, my But this eighth day has nothing to do with the literal things. What's on the inside has nothing to do with what's on the outside. Your condition, your circumstances of what's on the outside has nothing to do with what's on the inside. And how you feel on the outside doesn't have anything to do with what's on the inside. And how you feel on the inside has nothing to do with what's on the outside. You say, oh, Brother Andrew, I feel like I'm never going to get over this problem, never going to get over this sickness. Get right on the inside. Make sure you abide in him because then you have nothing to be ashamed of regardless of how your body's feeling. If eternity is ushering in through the Holy Ghost, then that is the second coming of the Lord Jesus. If eternity, if, if, if the Holy Ghost in you is the Zoe eternal life, then that is the ushering in of the eighth day then that is then the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what the second coming was all about. Yeah. Oh, the scriptures we could use. You go to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2 where it talks about, it says, The Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Revelation 16, 15, Behold, I come as a thief in the night. We read it in 2 Peter chapter 3 already. All these words, the coming of the day of the Lord is the word that's used to say it is a tangible presence. That this coming is not just one day he'll come in a, in a corporal body, but rather that is, is a tangible presence that comes. That is the day of the Lord that's come upon us. Yeah, and it's actually the same word that is used as lighting in the Bible. When it talks about in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. In other words, a dove that came to him. So now we have this, and let me just put it to you in this way. We've got God in the form of a dove, and, in the form, and you've got God in the form of a man coming together. You've got the sun and you've got the dove and they come together. There's a coming to one another. But to John, John could say he appeared. Because to John, he was living and looking at the season of the coming of the Son of Man. But yet he was looking at the appearing of the dove. Oh, hallelujah. I hope you see this right here. Because, but he came 
But, but to Jesus, he came and Jesus received him. John did not receive the dove. Jesus received the dove. Because to Jesus, it was a coming, but to John, it was an appearing. In John chapter 1 and verse 9, writes it this way, it says, but there was a tr- that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. That's his first coming. He came to his own, and they would not receive it. But as many as receive him, the only way you can receive him is if he comes. And to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Hallelujah. To John, it had to be an appearing. If not, then which one was the first coming of Jesus? Was it in the river or was it in the manger? Now I've really got y'all thinking. Because if the, if the first coming was in the manger, then he was already there. But because John had already received that this was God on earth, that was an appearing. Oh, hallelujah. Different people are in different seasons. Different people that don't have that anointing within them will come to a church service and recognize an appearing. But to some who would already have, the, that, that, that would have him by the Holy Ghost, sorry, I think I said that wrong, to some that would come to him that have the Holy Ghost in their hearts, he appears unto them because they've already received him. That's what I meant to say. Because they've already received the Holy Ghost, he's already came to them, then he would appear to them. But to those that have not ever received him, they're constantly looking for a coming. In John 14, he says, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you shall see me. Because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it, is, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall also be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Amen. And we love that scripture because of the revelation we have. It's very clear to us, but this is the first time they ever heard it. So Judas saith unto him and said, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? See, Judas is asked here, how will you appear to us but not appear to the world. How will you manifest yourself? That's a great word, manifest and appear. It's the same word in the Bible. That you could manifest it back, or manifest it, switch it back and forth. He says, how will you appear to us, but not appear to the world? How will we see you, but they not see you? And Jesus answered and said, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him. And make our abode with him. So let me say it to you this way. What is the second coming of God? You say, did you preach this entire service just to justify one statement you made the last service you preached? Which is the second coming of God is a spiritual coming. Yes, I did. Aren't you so happy you came tonight? but to show it to you in the scripture so that you're not just taking it as, praise God, this is what it is. No, it's right there in the scripture where Jesus backs it up, Peter backs it up, John backs it up, Paul backs it up, begin to say it this way and begin to look at it and say, listen, when he's coming, he says, we will come unto him personally. We will come with a tangible presence to you and make our abode with you. That's how you will be able to see my appearing, and they will not. They say, but Andrew, what do you mean by see? 
Because in the Bible, we talk about see and see as understand. You cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you be born again. You cannot understand the kingdom of heaven. That's why they come in the last days, scoffers, and I'm closing right now. In the last days, scoffers would come and they would walk up on lust and they would be saying, where is the promise of his coming? Why? Because they cannot understand his appearing. How did he appear? The pillar of fire. That was in appearing. You can find that in the message. I've got a bunch of quotes here, but I won't go into them for the sake of time. Brother Brown says, he appeared in a pillar of fire to Moses. He appeared in a pillar of fire to the children of Israel. How did he appear today? In a pillar of fire. We got a picture of it in Houston, Texas, when he was there praying and closing the service. He appeared, and there was a picture taken of it. He appeared in a cloud. He appeared in a cloud in 1963 above the Arizona desert there. He appeared, and when when Brother Brown talks about that over and over and over again, what was it? That was his appearing. And Brother Ram will go back into the Old Testament and talk about how he appeared on the mercy seat covered in badger skins. The people could only see the badger skins, but he was in there. That was an appearing of him. And at, at the same time, he says, and at that time, to not go into the presence of God was death. But now, sorry, at that time to go in was death, but now to not go in is death. In other words, to, 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 to not receive the appearing now is death, but back then to go into that because he was not yet come. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. He appeared. He appeared. He appeared. Why? So that you could have confidence in what his coming is. So you could have confidence that this message is the truth. The musicians would come. All right. He came in 1951, Brother Brown preached the message of the Church of the Living God. He says this, he says, here I feel the Spirit of God. Listen close. He says it in this way. And he's not saying, this is me and this is what I think. He says, no, this is the Spirit of God. He says, this is a glorious thing. This is the day of the Lord. In 1951, he writes in the church age book and says, this is not the day of the Lord. This is the day of man. Oh, is this a great contradiction? No. It's exactly what it's talking about. It's saying, I feel by the Spirit of God, there's an ushering in in the Spirit. It's the day of the Lord that we're now living in. This is the day that we should be happy for in our eyes today and our ears is fulfilled the Word of God to this day. That's what the Lord has said. Praise be the name of the Lord. This is it. The Holy Spirit here in confirmation of his word. The prophecy that's been already foretold and predicted. And he could go on down and he say this in, in the next paragraph. Jesus, when he came, he came to fulfill the word of God. What the prophets has said, he came to fulfill the prophecy of the Old Testament. Do you believe it? He says, but now the Holy Spirit is here to fulfill the prophecy of the New Testament. Praise be to God. That that's exactly the age that we're living in and the time that we're living in that we have nothing to be ashamed of. That as Christ was here in the first time, fulfilling the word that pertained to him, He's here again, fulfilling the word in our day. Hey, why don't we stand and sing that together? He is here. Hallelujah. He is here.
touch him.